It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. And welcome to the show. My name is Matt Newts, uh, at Nasty Newts on Twitter. Uh, with me tonight, as you already heard, Josh Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. How are you doing, Josh? Doing good, doing good. Uh, fun, but uh, somewhat depressing week two action uh, here this week. Uh, a lot of injuries, yeah. a lot of scoring. Uh, so I guess that's a positive takeaway, but yeah, wild week. Yeah. Brutal injury day for everyone. I'm sure if you skated by week two healthy with your team, you're, you're one of the few, the proud, the uh, survivors, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing so hot in some of my leagues lost McCaffrey for four to six. It sounds like, uh, Saquon in the league. So definitely a tough day for that. Some, some teams chances may have ended yesterday. Yeah, and I got three out of five of my dynasty leagues. I got Cortland Sutton. So that was, uh, you know, I didn't even realize that injury was that serious yesterday when he left the game. I sort of figured it was, you know, he's banged up in the shoulder, banged up in the knee. The game was a little bit lopsided at the time. I thought maybe he was fine, but uh, to hear he's got a torn ACL too, that's just, uh, it's rough. It's it's rough. It's the worst part about fantasy, but uh, next man up, and and we'll have to keep moving on without some of our favorite players. Yeah, and that took that news definitely took me by surprise today when I was scrolling through Twitter because I didn't realize that he was in the ACL category. So yeah, definitely uh, bothersome. But uh, like you said, next man up, we got to figure out how to replace these players now, and hopefully we can maybe give you a little bit of clarity on how to do that today. So uh, since we ran pretty long doing this uh, recap episode last week, why don't we just get right into it? Absolutely. So, and actually that'll, that'll lead us in well to uh, the first game I did. It was actually the first game I took in the draft last week, Denver, Pittsburgh. Um, Sutton obviously was coming off the injury, but he did look good early. Well, not right away in this game. He dropped a pat his first target uh, and it led to an interception at drew Locke. Uh, who also, by the way, left. It sounds like the injury is not too serious. Something rotator cuff related. Sounds like he'll miss a few weeks. Um, but Sutton did look good after that until obviously leaving with the knee injury. Judy looked good for four catches on seven targets for 62 yards. Um, and, and Noah Fant really emerged, uh, especially after the Cortland Sutton injury. It seemed like he became the uh, the favorite target. Any Any general takeaways you had from the Denver sideline? Well, I've seen some varying reports on Locke, actually. I've seen, you know, two weeks. I've seen three to five. So I would definitely keep your eyes on Twitter looking for maybe some more clarity on his injury because shoulder, shoulder surgery – or not surgery, shoulder injuries are definitely not what you're looking for out of a quarterback. So and I am a little more concerned than – I think it might be a little longer than two weeks. Well, and it's important to point out it's his right shoulder, not his left shoulder. So obviously, you know, he's going to make a lot of money over his career, or he hopes, with that right shoulder. Um, so that was not fun to see. Uh, on the on the Steelers' side of things, uh, I think we should talk about the wide receivers. Um, Deontay and Juju both looked uh, quite good to me this week. Deontay is a, a really special player. Um, he had a punt return touchdown called back where I guess I didn't actually see the penalty. I'm sure it was valid in there. Uh, but regardless of a penalty, he made at least five guys miss on this play. Um, he had another uh, kind of like screen or short reception where he just he has a way of making people miss. He has a creativity about him with the ball in his hands. Uh, that really is special. Um, 
Claypool, I think, is the other guy to mention. Um, it's interesting. He's still playing special teams uh, and is contributing on offense. And so I'm not sure at what point he's going to surpass James Washington on the depth chart. Maybe he already has. Um, but a guy that I've kind of done a complete 180 on. I was not a huge uh, Claypool supporter in this rookie draft season. I think I had him as a kind of early third, late second. Um, and he looks to be a player. What did you think? Obviously, you've seen the long touchdown he had, which, by the way, might have been pass interference on his part. But uh, what, do, what do you think about any of the, the Steelers receivers? Yeah, and I liked Claypool uh, probably quite a bit more than you did coming in. Um, but like you know, you've mentioned, I didn't really know how quickly he was going to fit into the offense and they certainly see a guy that they could make big plays with and that's exactly what he's been so far real nice big play threat for them that was a super sick play that he made for that touchdown um yeah i, I didn't look at it too closely to see whether or not there was interference on it but <laughs> certainly was, an exciting play there was actually the uh the rookie corner out of iowa michael ojemudier uh, gives the the ump or the umpire or referee field judge whatever they call the person on the sidelines there gives them the palms up sign while Claypool's still in bounds and and Ojemudie still has a chance to make a tackle so uh, it was pass interference but they didn't call it so good for Chase and good for this Pittsburgh offense that looks much more dynamic than what we saw last year and I think that's uh, something that all fantasy owners or managers are welcoming. Um, yeah, without a doubt. I didn't have a heck of a lot else from this game. I guess it's. I think it's important to point out Jeff Driscoll looked good enough to support two, three weapons in this offense. Um, oh, and the other guy I wanted to talk about, KJ Hamler, looked looked pretty good to me. A guy that I was a big fan coming out of Penn State, um, and uh, I think has some in interest now that uh, there's going to be no Sutton. They're going to be looking for a secondary target besides. Uh, Fant and Judy. So um, I doubt he's available in your leagues, but uh, maybe a guy to go trade for uh, now before he starts getting peppered with targets because I think he will surpass Deshaun Hamilton here. Um, I don't have anything else unless you do. Why don't we move on to Dallas at Atlanta? Yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty crazy game. Atlanta blows another big lead uh, like they have been known to do from time to time in the past, maybe in a Super Bowl. I don't really remember that game very well. Just kidding. 28-3. <laughs> that was ugly. Um, yeah, this was uh, pretty much what we thought it was going to be, wasn't it? You know, just a high-scoring, crazy game. Uh, some interesting notes for Atlanta for me. The guy that really stood out to me, um, I mean, Calvin Ridley was amazing, but the receiver actually on their team I kind of want to talk about a little bit was Russell Gage out of the slot. that has been getting a ton of targets. He actually – had nine targets yesterday to Julio's four, and I, you're not going to keep seeing that. They're going to feed Julio the rock. But I thought Russell Gage uh, looked really good, pretty much lined up out of the slot the whole the whole day, and it was getting a lot of separation, getting some mismatches out there. Um, I would not be surprised at all to see him continue to have a pretty big role in this off offense and seems to be getting a much uh, – much more looks than Hayden Hurst. Uh, Hurst had that one long touchdown where it was pretty much just busted coverage, so I'm not going to give him too much props for that. Me or you could have scored a touchdown <laughs> against that coverage. So 
so on the Del- or on the Atlanta side, the receiving uh, target share was pretty interesting. Um, Calvin Ridley's a freak, though, man. He looked amazing to me. Um, he had one, I think it was his first touchdown, where he sold kind of a deep in and then cut left to the pylon. That was just a super, super clean route and just uh, great body control to keep his feet in bounds to score there. He's really fun to watch. One of my favorite receivers in the NFL right now. Really loved that. Um, but it's been interesting through two weeks. CD Lambs uh, had 15 targets, Gallup 10, um, Amari Cooper 23. So not a, I mean, a little bit of clarity there in the pecking order where it looks like Amari Cooper's the clear one. And I think people were kind of curious whether CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup was going to get fed more of the two. And it seems like early on, at least Dak prefers Gallup or prefers CeeDee Lamb, excuse me. Um, And I think that's probably right. Even though I am a big fan of Gallup's talent, I think CeeDee Lamb is undeniably going to be a superstar in the league. But uh, really the only other note I had on Dallas is I thought Dalton Schultz looked pretty good, tight end. Um, had a lot of targets, actually, 10 targets, and he caught nine passes and a late important touchdown. So good to see if you needed to pick up a, you know, kind of a flyer tight end. I think he might put up some points for you. So, so yeah, really not much else to say on uh, either side there. Um, but super fun game, you know, the kind of game that we – we love to see just back and forth, crazy finish, a lot of fun. Silly coaching decisions, mental errors. <laughs> it was, it had it all. It really did. Uh, I didn't obviously rewatch this game just yet, um, but I, I saw a fair amount of it because obviously the Vikings game went so miserably, and they actually cut into that one at the end. So um, I got to see most of the end of that one, and and it seemed like a wild game. So. Um, Fun to see. I don't know if uh, Dallas deserves that win, although Atlanta certainly didn't earn one either. So um, right. why don't we move on to another really fun game this week? It was the Sunday night football game. Um, Cam Newton headed to Seattle and took on the uh, Russell Wilson-led Seahawks. They couldn't quite get it done at the end of the game, um, but I think Cam has cemented his status as, as a top-five quarterback, uh, and at least as long as he's he's healthy. What do you, you know, do you you kind of are we on the same page on that one? Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent on the same page with you there. I think uh, Josh McDaniels is doing a really, really great job unlo- unlocking the full Cam Newton experience here. It's been super, super good to see. I'm a big Cam Newton fan. Um, it's just perplexing as all hell to me how he's a New England Patriot for like a million dollars. Like, what is the rest of the league thinking? Yeah, like, there's. there's- 15 yeah. backup quarterbacks making more money than him. Like <laughs> what I, I, I really, really, really don't understand how that even happened in the first place, but good for them. I mean, they're the geniuses of the NFL. Like they got cam freaking Newton for nothing and they're using him right. And he looks amazing. Well, and that's just it is that it was the best spot he could have landed in because they will use him precisely how he's designed to be used. They're not going to try to stick him in a box and say, this is our scheme, Cam. This is what we run. Now figure it out. No, they're going to design an entirely new scheme designed around Cam, designed around their most important player. Um, and it, it is kind of stunning to see. But at the same time, uh, there's maybe no place he could have gone that was better. And that was awesome to see. I don't want to bury the lead here. Russell Wilson was incredible in this game. He's making a stake for MVP. 
uh, guy we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, Kyler Murray's kind of right there with him. You know, some of the, the MVPs from the last two years. But Russell looks great. Uh, DK Metcalf looked fantastic in this game. He really battled one of the better players. Um, I thought Lockett looked good. Any any big takeaways from this Seattle offense? Well, yeah, one of my biggest notes um, I had was on a guy you just mentioned, uh, DK Metcalf, excuse me. Uh, he was up against Stephon Gilmore quite a bit, and he won a lot of those battles. One um, battle, yeah. Yeah, I, I loved watching that. DK was one of the guys I was most wrong on in the last two years. I was not an investor, and now I... I've completely changed my tune on him. He he looks great to me. I, I think they found a true star there in him. Perfect for Russell, too. And Russell's deep balls just looked amazing so far. He's definitely my pick for MVP through two games. Like, he's been unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah, he throws the best deep ball in football. Uh, that late touchdown to Carson was just, I mean, it was poetry. Uh, and, and by the way, Carson, Chris Carson, where did this pass catching ability come out of i mean he is one of the most thunderous big kind of fast in a straight line but doesn't cut well but man he looks good in the past in the past game too yeah and that was one of my other notes actually i'm glad you you uh touched on that is if he could add you know a bunch of receptions and i mean he's already had three receiving touchdowns like add a new wrinkle to his game like that he's a definite rb1 this year um well, and it makes them a lot more difficult to defend when, when you know, when he came in in the past, it was kind of like, okay, here it comes downhill and we'll bring in McKissick or, you know, Homer or whoever for the later downs. Uh, it makes them a tough offense and, and, you know, people already have enough problems defending that team. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Tyler Lockett, Mr. Reliable. Um yeah, just a super, super fun offense. Uh, if I had to pick my Super Bowl right now, I think I would pick Seattle coming out of the NFC. Yeah, no, I think they're right there with the Green Bays and the New Orleans and uh, a few of the other teams in the NFC. I mean, the NFC West is so strong. It's it's wide open right now oh, uh, to me. But, yeah, if I had to put my finger on one, that would be the one, definitely. Beautiful. Um, and now on to uh, one of your next games that you chose, your second game you chose. Uh, why don't we do Rams-Eagles? Um, yeah. I haven't seen this one yet, but uh, definitely a game I look forward to uh, watching back and really want to see how that uh, Rams running game looked to you because completely different script than last week. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, the L.A. Rams came out came away with another victory against an NFC East team here. Um, I think the the interesting thing is exactly what you pointed to is um, that backfield. It looked to me like Daryl Henderson had retaken sort of the scat back role, and they had moved Cam Akers into the power back role ahead of Malcolm Brown. Uh, now that didn't last particularly long, um, as Akers I think broke a rib, or well, I guess maybe we don't know precisely what happened to his ribs, but he hurt his ribs and didn't return. Um, but I think the important thing to note is that Henderson looked like the better back uh, in this game. Um, he had a nice reception, basically uh, single-handedly got them down the field uh, for one of the, I think it was the second Tyler, Tyler Higby touchdown. Um, he looked really, really good to me. Ended up with 12 carries, uh, 81 yards and a touchdown and caught two balls for another uh, 40 yards. Uh, Brown, not so much. It didn't seem like he was getting... 
uh, a lot to run to, but that's sort of the problem with Malcolm Brown. You have to block things up correctly in order to get him through the line where Daryl Henderson can create a little bit more on his own. Um, if this Acres injury is long-term, I think Henderson is the guy actually now that, and I, unfortunately I, I told our listeners, I, I spent a bunch of money on Malcolm Brown and, um, it looks like that was maybe a one week thing. Now, if acres is out for a while, I think he has a viability just cause that offense is so good. But, um, for one week, it looks like Henderson's maybe the guy let's move over to the, uh, to the, uh, Eagles side. Uh, Miles Sanders made his return this week and he looked good. Um, 20 for 95 and a touch three for seven, uh, in the receiving game and 36 yards. Um, Ertz and Goddard both kind of dominated the targets, but neither were able to get much going, though I will say um, Goddard was missed on a wide-open touchdown, kind of the same high-low concept we highlighted last week, um, and Wentz just never saw him. Uh, there was another play where he beats Ramsey pretty easily off the line of scrimmage, has two or three steps, and Wentz back shoulders it. Um, so there was an opportunity for Goddard to maybe make some some points here in this game, but uh, it didn't come because Carson Wentz, uh, he struggled. He really struggled again, and uh, the, the protection was, was better. Uh, I'm not going to say it was awesome or it was perfect, but uh, he got protection and could not find receivers consistently through late over the middle. Um, it was not a good performance by this Eagles offense, uh, and I'm getting fairly concerned uh, for all the Eagles investments that I have. Uh, was there any big takeaways you had here? Anything you wanted to touch on? The Carson Wentz thing, uh, very concerning so far in that offense, just being a complete dud. Um, definitely surprised by that. I thought he was going to have a big year, so... Um, definitely really, uh, not sure what to think about that Eagles team right now. They're off to a pretty poor start. So hopefully, uh, they can get things kind of turned around quickly because they certainly need to. Yeah. And I guess the other note I'd have is that, uh, Woods was not really involved in this game, did score a touchdown. Uh, Cup looked good. And I think Van Jefferson, uh, keeps making plays, proving that he's going to be, uh, a guy to watch for long-term, um, and uh, aside from that, why don't we move on to Washington, Arizona? Yeah, and real quick, one more note. I did yeah. look up uh, Cam Akers' injury, and it doesn't seem like it's very serious and that he's expected to be back next week. So less clarity there, unfortunately, I guess, but fortunately for him. And yep. then uh, for for Arizona, Washington, uh, this was my my second pick for games to recap. And it was really the Kyler Murray show uh, is the easiest way to put it. Hmm. Uh, he's phenomenal. Uh, great, great game by him. Uh, just a, you know, his running ability this year seems to have taken another step in my eyes. He looks a lot more dangerous as a runner, even though, you know, he was productive last year. I just, I think he looks, it looks like a video game this year. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's he different. had a really sick juke move on his first touchdown run. He's he's just so much fun to watch. I've I've really enjoyed watching. Yeah, him. right at the right at the goal line there, where he just I mean he knows it before he's even really set the cut up that this this guy's got no chance. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, it it was good to see them try to get Christian Kirk a little more involved. I mean, I know he only had four targets, but. Um, I believe they had uh, a couple run plays for him designed uh, 
you know, just trying to get him, you know, a little more involved is good because he's a good player. Uh, they need to use him more. Um, but they, they do have a lot of mouths to feed there. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, Kenyon Drake, you know, he needs to put up some bigger games. But, you know, he looks fine, you know, 20 carries. That's plenty of touches for him. You know, he's going to get some touchdowns. Uh, but, yeah, Kyler is going to vulture a lot of those a lot of the goal line work when it comes to running the ball in. So so maybe Kenyon Drake wasn't worth his ADP, but I think I wouldn't be super, super concerned on him. Um, that's really all I kind of got for Arizona. But uh, on the Washington side, I just don't really love Dwayne Haskins, man. I know you were hoping <laughs> You were hoping to see something from him this week, and I don't think you're going to really like what you saw. He just He's pretty meh, meh yeah. to me. I, I, just, I, I don't really see much growth coming for him. I just think he's going to kind of be a journeyman, unfortunately, for uh, for those of us who love Terry McLaurin. And he did put up numbers, which is good, Like, but it, it was game script numbers for, you know, for right. the most part. Like, that game was pretty much over in the second quarter. So most of their yardage and points came late when Arizona already had the game in hand. I thought Antonio Gibson looked okay. Okay. Scored a touchdown. So that's good, but wasn't like overly impressed by him, but it was good to see him get, you know, a good majority of the work. So, well, it sounds like McKissick was more involved in this one and Barber was much less involved. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%. McKissick uh, had eight carries for 53 yards, but kind of forgettable, to be honest. Okay. Like I, watch, I just watched that game, and I, I would have guessed a lot less than that. <laughs> I just I just bring it up because I wonder if he hasn't maybe taken a lot of that early down roll from Barber, even in just one week. I think, uh, you know, you look at the, fir- the first week, and, and you don't want to overreact, but you have to have some reaction. I think we saw, to some degree, a few teams at least, I'm not going to say every team, but a few teams at least that looked to me like they were kind of playing a preseason game, not necessarily in how hard they were playing or how badly they wanted to win the game, but in terms of how they fleshed out their depth chart. Um, and I'm sort of wondering if in this instance, that's, that's not something that we're seeing is that Antonio Gibson's the guy on early downs um, and they just needed one week to kind of keep, you know, make sure that they could see him do a few things before they gave him the full workload. Yeah, and barring injury, I think really the only time you're going to see Peyton Barber is really short yardage situations. He seems to be their preferred guy when they need a yard. So right, yep. I don't think you can. Right, I wouldn't blame you if you dropped him at this point. <laughs> but yeah, so let's get on to uh, Buffalo Bills and Miami. Another one of our early kind of sneaky MVP contenders in this game, Josh Allen. Another phenomenal day for him. What did yeah did. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, what did you think about Josh's game? And uh, were you a big Josh Allen guy coming into the year? I wouldn't say I was coming into the year. I was a big supporter of his coming out of uh, uh, school at Wyoming. But um, this year, no, I wouldn't say I was. I was consensus high on him. I had him somewhere between quarterback eight and ten. Um, but I think at this point he's ascended kind of to that, that next tier right behind that top five that we have. Um, he looked like a genuine playmaker in this game, um, throwing the ball deep. Yes, there was some inaccuracies. Um, there was actually a play where you see all of the good and the bad all at once. I believe it was Kyle Van Noy uh, got a free rush off the backside. And I don't know how 
Josh Allen even sees it. But without seeing it, he just turns and flips his hips, and Van Noy runs right by him. Unbelievable play. Something where you go, wow, that was incredible. And then he overthrew Dawson Knox by, like, four yards. Um, so it was one of those things where it's like, man, there's there's so many tools here, and you can see the arms. I mean, the guy just can chuck it as far as you can. I mean, he's Uncle Rico out there. Uh, so, you know, I was impressed by what I saw today. Um, obviously, he, he had some help from Stefan Diggs. Again, I'll say it, podcast favorite. Uh, Stefan Diggs looked amazing today and certainly, uh, Josh Allen deserves some amount of praise, but boy, uh, there was, there was yards on the table actually here for Diggs. I think he would have had a touchdown early in the game on a crossing pattern where Allen missed him. Um, and, and frankly, Diggs bailed out Allen a couple times when he threw into coverage. Um, and so. Uh, really impressed by those two. Um, John Brown also looked good. I know that was one of your notes from the last time uh, we watched. Uh, yeah. Or you, or you watched. Yeah, no, John Brown uh, really liked what I saw from him last week. So, uh, yeah, good to see him continuing to be involved. Uh, was a little worried about their passing game this week coming in against uh, Miami's pretty new and improved secondary, but doesn't look like they've quite gelled yet. So, they kind of got torched. They kind of got torched yesterday. So I was very surprised by that. Even though I'm not surprised by Diggs and Brown being good, I just thought it was going to be a tougher opponent for them to put up big fantasy numbers. So very encouraging for the rest of the year for these two. I think they're both going to put up some pretty nice numbers this year. Um, yeah. Well, I, I was, was going to say, I was going to say the run game was was also uh, fairly efficient, but they were so explosive in the pass game. Um, that it just it never really got to the point where they were able to get a goal line chance. Um, they only had 18 carries between the two of them, Singletary and Moss, that is, though I do- did think they looked good. Um, Singletary has, I think, the majority of the touches between the 20s. Uh, so in game scripts like this where they either score from distance or don't score a lot, um, I think you could see this being a stat line we see once or twice again from Zach Moss, despite I liked what I saw. Um, he's got, he reminds me a heck of a lot of Mark Ingram. Um, and I think good things are coming down the road, but this was not one of his better performances. Um, really the only takeaway on the Miami side. Well, there's, I guess there's two. Uh, the first one is, is Mike Gusecki looked incredible in this game. I know everybody's probably seen the one handed catch at this point. Um, but a lot of targets, a lot of contested catches, um, Fitzpatrick is is known for that YOLO ball, and uh, I think Gusecki right. is going to have some big games going forward. Uh, he was a guy that I really did like in in uh, my physical graffiti article up on DynastyNerds.com, um, and so that was that was exciting to see from a Miami perspective. Um, I guess the other Miami point to make um, we haven't really touched yet on, I mean, we've touched vaguely on the, the wide scope of the injuries, but, uh, obviously people are going to be looking for some running backs this week. Miles Jenkins is this team's starter for better or for worse. He's this team's starter. And so I don't know if I'm quite ready to say he needs to be owned in 16 man, you know, or 16, uh, roster spot, uh, redraft leagues, but I think there's dynasty leagues. I mean, he should be nearly, uh, 100% owned in 20, 25 or more roster spot leagues. 
um, at this point because he's not, it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Um, did you have any reactions to Allen or the Dolphins or anything that you wanted to touch on from this game? Otherwise, I think we should keep it moving. I think you hit most of my talking points, but yeah, Gasecki was the one thing I kind of wanted to mention too, but you oh. covered it really well, so I don't need to add on. But yeah, I really liked him coming into the year, so awesome. Fun game for him. Um, the next game was uh, Jags and Titans. Uh, Titans squeeze out a victory here, um, but Jacksonville continues to show fight. You know, I think you know we're all a little surprised that uh, you know you trade Fournette, you trade Ramsey. I know that was a year ago, but it, it, you trade Ngakwe. It seems like they're rebuilding. Gardner yeah, there was ain't a, having none of that. <laughs> yeah, there was a clear um, directive kind of set by their front office, but. Minshew's like, ah, you probably should have traded me too because I'm just going <laughs> to I'm gonna fight every single play. And I mean, he needs to be higher owned or rostered in fantasy leagues. I think in some formats, he's still only like 35% owned, which is crazy. Like, dude's going to put up some sick numbers this year. Like, game script alone, like there's going to be a lot of games where they're trying to fight back and he's just going to put up some stats for you. So I really like uh, Gardner this year and I have them on a bunch of teams, and I might have to start starting them a little bit. Well, and I don't even think it's just a this year thing. Um, let's say it does uh, really go the worst, and they lose every game the rest of the year, and they go 1-15 and and have a chance at Trevor Lawrence or one of these quarterbacks. Are you telling me Gardner Minshew hasn't done enough to find another job in the NFL? I really think oh, he absolutely. has at this point. Um, well, the one guy I was kind of thinking I wanted to compare him to is a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Like I could see him having a very similar career where he's, like you said, kind of a yellow quarterback where he's just going to chuck it and duck it and not going to be afraid to fail. I could see him having a really long career, just bouncing around the league, holding the starting job for a year or two, right. warming it up for someone else and then just continuing to surprise us year after year where he's on a crappy team but putting up numbers i could see a pretty long and successful career for him in the fitzpatrick mold i totally agree um and he so that was fun to see i think the other fun thing to see um was was james robinson looked really good again in this game um I've, again i've been a fan uh i'll continue to be a fan um, I think you should keep starting him. I think this is a real thing. Um, they like him. They don't have anybody else who does what he does. Um, and I think that was apparent this week because the other guy that I want to talk about is LaVisca Chenault. Um, and the reason I sort of dovetail in that way is because LaVisca, I think, I'd have to go find, you know, look up this actual snap counts. I think, well, he definitely outsnapped Chris Thompson. I think he outsnapped Chris Thompson from the backfield. If you take away LaVisca's wide receiver snaps, I think the snaps were basically split between those two. Um, they are going to use him a little Cordero Patterson this year, and I think they should because DJ Chark looked good again. Keelan Cole actually looked really good again to me uh, with, you know, despite that ugly face mask he wears. Uh, he looked good, and I kind of like uh, the Johnson kid out of Texas, uh, Colin. Uh, he's made some plays for them. So Yeah, they're definitely not lacking for talent in the skill position uh, side no. of things. So Jags are going to win more games than we thought this year. I don't think there's any way around that at this point. They're probably a 6-7 win team, you know, and they're going to have a lot of really exciting games just like we saw yesterday. Yep, and I think LaVisca – 
uh, is more of a target for teams this year than I think people are letting on or people that people really understand. I think he has redraft value. I think he's going to be startable this year. I think he's a guy that uh, he just went for a second. If somebody would take two seconds or somebody would take a first in Dynasty, I think I'm targeting him right now because it looks like they understand who he is um, and are willing to use him as such. Well, um, that's actually kind of a really good point is I thought last year's draft class was so stacked. A guy like LaVisca Chenault in a normal year yeah. probably would have been a 108, 109 kind of guy. So, yeah, try and buy on some of these second-round picks now. Give up two second-round picks. Give up your second and your third. If you can get someone to sell – Chenault for just a minor increase I would be a buyer on that for sure absolutely absolutely I think the uh the thing to touch on on Tennessee's side uh was Johnny Smith uh oh yeah two two touchdowns in this game um the first one was a post route where he was actually open on the post if Tannehill would have seen him a split second sooner he could have just made the easy throw uh but they showed incredible rapport he he converted the post route kind of into an outbreaking curl Made a nice high point catch, uh, scored again on a, on a little drag route over the middle where he just kind of bullied his way in after the catch. Um, I do want to note the 62-yarder was busted coverage. Um, not that that doesn't happen, not that they didn't kind of scheme it open, um, but at the end of the day, broken coverage. He basically caught a floated pass and ran 60 yards on without anybody touching him. Um, Derek Henry, a little bit of a slow game. Sorry, did you want to jump in there on Janu? No, I was just going to kind of go transition to Derek Henry myself and say, yeah, oh. kind of another dud, dud for him. Yeah. Uh, pretty disappointing game for him, especially when you're playing Jacksonville. I would have expected this to be the kind of game you're going to see him put up a, a monster stat line, and we didn't even get it against them. So I'm I'm definitely my, – my concern level for him is is rising by the week. Yeah, well, we thought that about uh, the the Colts' uh, rush game, too. Um, This Jags defense, this Jags front four might be out to prove something with, you know, no Calais, no Yannick. You know, uh, the the rookie, Chason, looked really good this week. Josh uh, Allen looked really good this week. Not that Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen. Um, So, you know, Jacksonville may not be the smash start green light that we sort of thought they might be at the start of the season. Um, but with that, I don't have a heck of a lot else here. Uh, is there anything? I thought Tannehill looked good. Um, aside from that, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, let's get on to uh, the Bucks and Panthers and uh, another uh, another good game for McCaffrey, but followed by some uh, really tough news for all of us. That I'm sure a lot of us own McCaffrey in one of our leagues and the. High ankle sprains, a really tough injury. Um, sounds like the early diagnosis is four to six weeks, but he's come out and said that he's he's going to you know, attack that injury really hard and try and get back sooner. And I really kind of hope he doesn't. Like, be, be smart. Yeah. Be careful on it. Don't rush Agreed. yourself back. I, I just want you to get fully healthy and, and return to, to 100%. So, so, yeah, that was definitely a really big buzzkill to kind of wake up to this morning. Um, really upset about that, but otherwise there's really not much else to talk about for Carolina. I think most well, of our time – Well, okay. I, I wanted to talk real quick about DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson. Uh, Bridgewater didn't look good in this game, but they did churn out 100 yards each. I thought that was, you know, at least worth pointing out. Uh, you know, a lot of it was late, but uh, it does seem like there's – 
this, this passing game at least seems pretty narrow to me. It goes through two guys, essentially, uh, especially now that there's no McCaffrey, and I think that's good for, um, I guess, I've got a little bump coming for DJ Moore and for Robbie Anderson, both in season long and in Dynasty. Yeah, that's fair, because they're definitely going to need to feed the guys that they have left, and those yeah. are really the only two options. Is there any running back here that you're interested in at all in the interim? Do we maybe see more carries for Curtis Samuel, actually? Because he that got was, four carries. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about Mike Davis. He didn't look awful, but it kind of looked like they weren't really trying to even defend him. Um, I think that is the one interesting thing. Uh, does Curtis Samuel, similar to what I said about LaVisca Chenault, uh, does he start getting four, six, eight carries a game? Um, if he does, I think that could bring him from more of that, you know, wide receiver five, bi-week filler type of range, uh, maybe up as high as into that wide receiver three, assuming that that's where his designation stays, which I would presume it would. Um, so, yeah, I think that is one interesting thing to watch. I think the the thing we got to talk about from this game is the Bucks' backfield. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, Ronald Jones clearly got the start here. Um had a touchdown early, uh, really nice stiff arm, got, beat his man to the pylon, pretty nice run in my opinion, um, but then had a fumble on a, a missed exchange with Brady, or at least it, the fumble is on him in my opinion. Um, he didn't get his one arm up high enough, and he knocked it out of Brady's hands. After that, I saw him out there for two plays, um, and it was pretty much Fournette. Do you think this is a one-game banishment or do you think with what Fournette showed late it's just his backfield yeah it could be Arians was trying to do his best Bill Belichick impression and hmm. really punish a fumbler uh even though the fumble was credited to Brady technically but yeah he he kind of went ghost after that fumble so really interesting Fournette looked uh, pretty good against uh probably the worst run defense in hmm. the NFL so take it maybe with a bit of a grain of salt um I would start anyone with a pulse that's going to get carries against the Panthers the rest of the way because I think it's just as bad as as it gets for our run defense in the league. So if you're you're looking at a guy that's normally on your bench but they got the Panthers up next, I would try and fit them in somehow. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I think it's important to point out, Brady played a lot better here in my opinion than the stat line indicated. Um, on the first Ronald Jones touchdown, which I referenced earlier, uh, Scotty Miller had a ball right on his hands, about a 30-yard completion that would have been a touchdown. Um, and then late in this game, they ended up settling for a field goal. Deshaun McCoy dropped what was, I mean, perfectly placed, just couldn't have been set into his hands any better. Um, this could have been a three-touchdown game for Brady. Um I think sort of the maybe this will be Peyton Manning in Denver first year type of vibe has gone away from that offense. But I don't think Brady should be looked at as this old decrepit man that I think sometimes he gets made out to be. I'm still quite bullish on this passing offense. Um, And I think Brady's still a borderline quarterback one, uh, not in dynasty value, but in terms of a guy I'm starting week to week. All right, um, now on to Baltimore-Houston. Um, kind of a really weird rushing attack for Baltimore this week. I know I mentioned hmm. last week that I think we were going to see something different week to week. Uh, Ten carries for Gus Edwards, question uh, yeah. mark? What do you make of that? 
Yeah, I just think that they're going to try to keep J.K. I was thinking about this while I was watching the game uh, because I, I had seen on Red Zone the big play J.K. made, and I'm sure he's made. I, you know, he's made plays in camp. He's made plays week one, and I'm just sitting there, kind of. Why are they not using this guy? And the best thing I could come up with is he's a great sort of break glass in case of emergency, the middle of the season, uh, regardless of injury. But just, you know, they've won like 14 straight right now. Things are going smooth for the Ravens. Um, I think he's a guy that they're saving as sort of a spark plug. Some point in the middle of the season, they're going to hit a low. Um, And maybe JK is kind of going to be that boost that this team needs, but he does seem behind Edwards and for surely behind Mark Ingram in the pecking order, but he looked great in this game. Uh, to your point about the rushing attack, 37 rushes here. Um, so not a lot of passing volume to go around. Um, and the problem this week is where it was much more concentrated on two guys last week, Brown and, and Andrews. They spread it out this week. Uh, Duvernay had a long catch or a 22-yard catch, something like that. Uh, Ricard caught the only touchdown. Boyle got involved. Um, Boykin got involved. They really spread the ball out. Um, but I think it's important to know Brown and Andrews both looked very good. Uh, in fact, on the Ricard touchdown, Andrews is wide open in the back of the end zone. It was just the easier of the two throws. Um, so better days ahead for this passing attack and uh, for Lamar Jackson as well, who probably didn't quite live up to what you've been expecting lately yeah for sure uh yeah kind of a lot of disappointing box scores for the ravens passing game but uh, i'm not too worried uh they didn't need to do anything more than what they did to win that game handily and houston kind of an early contender for maybe one of the worst teams in the league i just don't understand that that offense like they fed will fuller like crazy week one and he looked pretty good and then he doesn't get a single target. No like, I, I'm very, very confused by that. Um, and very upset about it. I, I was pretty high on him this year as long as he stayed healthy, but how do you not give your best uh, weapon on offense? In my opinion, at least no targets makes well, no sense to me. And it wasn't like I saw Marlon Humphreys trailing him around the whole game or even Marcus Peters. It didn't look like they did anything special to try to defend Will Fuller. They just never looked his way, and I think that's, I mean, that's a mistake on the Houston part. But uh, that O-line, they can't block anybody. They cannot keep Watson upright. God bless his heart. He played a a heck of a game considering the circumstances. Uh, He made an incredible throw to to Cooks where he just takes a, a missile of a hit on a third down but makes the completion. He's still amazing, but gosh, he doesn't have a lot of support around him. And I think that O-line, maybe more than anything, is is the problem there. DJ looked fine to me. He didn't have much of a stat line. Actually, probably the only bad play Watson did have is he probably had DJ on a touchdown uh, on a wheel route up the sidelines, just kind of overthrew it. Um, but tough to be too critical of Deshaun. Uh, just kind of an all-around butt whooping by Baltimore um and yeah it could be a long season for Texans fans for sure and uh, why don't we move on to a game I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on yeah. uh Bears Bears Giants uh I really don't have 
almost anything to mention other than the obvious uh, really disappointing injury for Saquon that's going to ruin a lot of seasons out there for fantasy owners. Hate to see it. Uh, one of the more exciting players in this game that we love. Lost for the year. Real disappointing. Um, I don't have anything else if there's anything you want to touch on in this game. Well, I do want to say don't sell low in Dynasty on Saquon. Obviously, in redraft at this point, drop him unless there's some sort of keeper element or I guess you have an IR, and I don't know why you would keep him uh, if there's not a keeper element. In Dynasty, you're not selling low. Let's assume, uh, you know, even with a good rookie class and some emerging players, how low would you really see Saquon, say, falling next year in redraft rankings or in Dynasty rankings? Oh, he'll be... For three or four, probably at the worst. Yeah, and I was going to even say a little further. I mean, could he he go all the way to ten? I could I could see that, but that sure. still means he's a first round pick, guys. In less than eight months, do not sell him for the equivalent of you know a, a fourth and fifth round startup pick. Um, I know it hurts. I know it sucks. He kind of burned you last year a little bit. Um, do not sell low. He is a generational talent. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, aside from that, the only thing I wanted to point out, uh, well, other than I just wanted to tear down Dan Jones and Mitch Trubisky a little bit because it was bad. It was hard to watch for both of them. Uh, I don't really have opinion on which one's worse. They both took four sacks. They both made, uh, I don't know how many interceptions both of them threw, but it could have been five per side. Um, but the one thing I did want to point out, David Montgomery looked better. He looks healthy A. And to me, he looked like a player who was willing to hit the hole at full speed this year. Now, that doesn't mean he was breaking big runs every time. He did break a few nice 10, 12, 15-yard runs, and that's kind of going to be the player he is. Um, But I thought it was important to note some of the dancing tendencies that we saw last year uh, seemed to not be there this year. He seemed to hit the the hole with force, uh, and I thought that was a good thing. I don't have a heck of a lot other than – uh, nice to see the Mooney kid, the, the rookie out of Tulane, make some plays. Um, other than that, and, you know, I don't have a lot of fantasy advice on him. He's still just a guy to keep an eye on, but did get a lot of the targets, played as the wide receiver, too. Um, why don't we move on to Detroit and Green Bay? Um, this is one uh, where there's one player to, to, to definitely talk about here. Uh, what'd you make of Aaron Jones's massive day? Yeah, just phenomenal. Um, they kind of had to scramble. Well, not scramble, but Devontae Adams got banged up in this game, but doesn't sound too serious. So no, sound like it definitely became more so than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the game was pretty out of hand, out of hand. I think, at that point. But it 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 was the Aaron Jones show. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He just completely dominated that Detroit defense. Every time he touched the ball, he looked phenomenal. It seemed like every 30 seconds during the Vikings game, there was a, a game break with Aaron Jones ripping off <laughs> another, you know, really cool play. So um, I'm I'm definitely going to watch this game pretty early on the games I haven't seen yet. I want to I wanna see Aaron Jones kind of dominate this Detroit Lions defense. Uh, really, really impressive. Uh, a guy that I think uh, people maybe were taking a little lower than he should have gone because, you know, rumors of A.J. Dillon maybe taking over that job next year. Still hasn't gotten a contract extension was, yep. yet, so his future still a little cloudy, but I think Green Bay, at a minimum, franchise tags him this offseason. They're not going to let him walk for nothing, so 
I was. Just I, say, I think his fantasy I, value in Dynasty is still pretty high. I, well, I was going to say I think he's a contract away from. We just need to start valuing him with Mixon and Cook and Henry and kind of that tier. Maybe he doesn't get to the Kamara Zeke. Uh, you know, well Saquon maybe depending upon what you feel. CMC, um, Clyde. Maybe he doesn't quite get to that tier, but I think if he signs a contract in Green Bay, I'm willing to say I'd much rather have him in Dynasty than Joe Mixon. I think the talent is uh, it's pretty special, and I think the interesting thing from this one was eight targets. You referenced Devontae Adams going out, um, and they leaned into that. Uh, he's clearly the, the second-best player on this offense, not named Adams or Rodgers. Um and he, he played like it today. The, the, the catch down the sidelines was insane. I mean, that wide receivers don't make that catch at a high rate. And he, he, he looked incredible. Um, and I think we should give some credit to this Packers O-line, too. Um, without revealing any sort of grades I had from last week, that was one of the O-lines that I watched for uh, our, our project over at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, and, you know, part of it's the, the, the Vikings line was, or D-line wasn't very good, but... You know, and, and neither was uh, the Lions, frankly. But you can't uh, you can't knock them for who they played. They've dominated every game they've basically been in with that O line. Uh, Rogers is not getting touched. They caught him once or twice on a blitz, but for the most times, when they bring three, when they bring four, even when they bring five, Rogers has four or five seconds to throw. Um, I think that Green Bay offense is for real. I don't know what do you I mean? Do you think long term this can this can stay? Is Rogers uh, back up into that top six, eight trusted quarterbacks. Yeah, I uh, don't see any reason to uh, to think this is a mirage. Like a lot of people were calling them a week thirteen win team last year, and I think last year that may have been fair. But this year, I feel like we're seeing you know the Rodgers from four, three, four, five years ago, where he was clearly one of the best two or three quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think the overall talent across the league has gone up significantly at that position. So Mm -hmm. I think if I were doing quarterback ranks for the remainder of the year, he'd probably be somewhere in my four five, six range, but I'm, I'm absolutely a believer that this is going to be a really, really good season for Aaron Rodgers. I don't see any reason to think otherwise um yeah an injury to adams or something could totally derail that because i don't see a ton of depth in the receiver cores that i love if they lost adams or jones to a significant amount of time i would really reevaluate things there but for now with uh everyone healthy this is going to be one of the better teams in the nfc um as much as i hate to say it but I, i think they're for real and one of the forces to be reckoned with agreed and uh, I think one thing I wanted to touch on on this Green Bay side of the ball um, is both Tyler Irvin running this play as well as as some of the wide receivers. They've added in that jet motion. I don't know if they did did a ton of that last year. I certainly don't remember it. Um, but but shout out to our, our good buddy Perry. He he kind of called this Tyler Irvin thing, and it actually uh, it it makes them tougher to defend. They ran some boot action off of it. It was kind of LA Rams esque. Um, and, uh, Tyler Irvin, if you're in a really deep league, uh, I guess maybe 25, 30 roster spots. If we're talking deeper dynasty leagues here, I think he's got to be rostered. He's got a role in this offense every week. Um, and it's an interesting wrinkle. Uh, we can move on to the Detroit side. Um, I think the interesting thing here is, is the running backs. 
Um, AP started this game, looked pretty good early on. Well, I, sh- I shouldn't even say that. He had one really good run where you still see the speed. He's still fast in a straight line. He's going to be that. He's going to be Herschel Walker, where he could probably roll out of bed at 50 and play. Um, yeah. But but ultimately, he got phased out in this game. Uh, both Kerryon Johnson somewhat and DeAndre Swift especially impressed me. Um, Swift couldn't get anything going on the ground, but looked like a trusted target of, of, of Stafford despite the drop last week. Um, watching the game, I couldn't help but thinking this is probably your best chance to buy low on DeAndre Swift for some time. And I don't know that maybe there's even really much of a buy low, but maybe there's somebody who's got itchy enough fingers to just at least talk about trading him right now. So maybe it's not a buy low, but you could get somebody to talk to you on DeAndre Swift because he looked good to me um, despite not really doing much on the ground. Um, was there anything you wanted to touch on from the, the Detroit side of things? Um, I guess just maybe uh, TJ Hawkinson mm-hmm. looked a lot better this year, a lot more comfortable, uh, highly efficient so far this year on his target. So that's good to see a guy that I was really high on last year. Um Good to see him becoming a little bit more involved in that offense and I think kind of becoming one of their top targets behind uh, Galladay when Galladay's back. I think you're going to see a lot of TJ Hawkinson highlights this year. Um, On that note, let's uh, move on to a game that uh, we really don't need to spend much time on, the Niners and Jets. The only real notes I have on this game are just the massive amount of injuries that the 49ers had to deal with yesterday. Garoppolo, Mostert, uh, the big one, Nick Bosa, their young star defensive end tearing his ACL, which you just hate to see. Uh, um, I, I might even be missing an injury or two here. They're still Would without. you say Solomon Thomas? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a big thing, too. Uh, yeah. I know their defense was going in leagues with team defenses. They were the consensus number one defense, and without those two guys, I think they're – I would be hard-pressed to see them as an every-week starting defense. But if you're in a dynasty league, you're probably not playing with team defenses, or at least I hope not, because that would be silly. IDP, yeah. IDP. Yeah, IDP for sure. But, <laughs> but yeah, definitely uh, hard to see so many injuries for them. Uh, one note I had was Jarek McKinnon looked really good again. So yeah. Like, well, love to and, see that. And both Mostert and I thought Coleman maybe got nicked up at some point in that game, too. I yeah, could be he wrong did, I believe. That. Okay. I'm pretty sure he did get hurt as well. So, yeah, it could be, yeah, the J-E-T uh, Jets scored on the Jets. So uh, that was fun to see. Uh, a favorite player of ours. We, we liked him a lot in Minnesota, and we're, we're rooting for the guy. Um, Casey L.A. Chargers was a fun afternoon. I don't think we need to talk anymore about uh, the Niners-Jets, do we? No, I got nothing to say about the Jets. Yeah. Just I couldn't even really roster hardly anyone on that team. So, yeah, we can move on. Perfect, perfect. So we had a, a fun late afternoon game. The, the Chargers took the uh, defending Super Bowl champs right to the wire. Um, KC did end up pulling it out at the end, uh, but a, a good performance by surprise start Justin Herbert. Uh, what did you make of Justin's first start in the NFL? Uh, and do you think that, I know Lynn's already come out and said, when Tyrod's healthy, that's our guy. But uh, yeah, do you I think he did enough to deserve the start, regardless of whether or not he gets it? Yeah, I don't know why uh, Anthony Lynn needed to say that because yeah. I was per- I was pretty impressed by Herbert and um, he could just be playing coy, trying to play mind games with uh, I don't know whoever they play next week. I haven't looked ahead at the schedule 
quite yet for everybody. But yeah, I don't I don't see why they need to go back to Tyrod. I think Herbert looked really good in this game, and uh, obviously he couldn't have had too many reps in practice all week. Thrown into a tough spot for his debut, like how could you not like what you saw? Um, seemed like a real gamer out there. I wasn't a big fan of him coming into the league, but uh, certainly came away a lot more impressed by him than I expected to be. So. Yeah, uh, really, really good to see. Tried to feed his uh, number one guy in Keenan Allen, which, you know, is a smart thing for a rookie to do. <laughs> feed feed the mouth that feeds you, if you will. Um, but, yeah, Herbert, I thought, looked really good, and I think he deserves to hold on to that job. Uh, what did you think on Herbert? Well, yeah, you, you brought up you weren't a big fan coming in, and, and, and neither was I. I. I'm, you know, the arm talent is certainly there, but can he harness it? Can he make the reads? You didn't see that today. Um, and I, I point that out only because we need to eventually see it. What you did see today was a guy that in the first, you know, big stage, SoFi's first game for the L.A. Chargers. I know they played there last week. First game for them there. Big stage. Last second, you get called up to come in and play like that. It at least shows me that the stage isn't too big for you. You know, that when the lights come on, he didn't shrink. And that's important. For any young quarterback, that's important. Um, We see Mitch Trubisky shrink all the time. Justin Herbert didn't shrink today. And while he's got a long, long ways to go to being a a good NFL quarterback, I think we can at least say the stage isn't too big for Justin. Um, Yeah, and if you took a flyer on him in your dynasty leagues, I think you're pretty encouraged by by the debut. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just real quickly on the KC side, Mahomes didn't look amazing to me, but he is amazing. So he still was able to get this one done. Um, Tyreek Hill, incredible play at the end of that game, but a couple drops, a couple, you know, third down drops as I remember them. Um, yeah, not he, super efficient. Yeah, he looked a little bit off to me, but obviously he makes that big play. You don't care. Um, still a wide receiver one, still highly valuable, but uh, a couple disappointing drops here. Watkins left with an injury. Uh, I don't think we need to go too deep into that. Edwards Alar had a little bit slower of a game. Um, he didn't look any different to me, just the opportunity didn't quite present itself the, the way it did last game. Um, I don't really have anything else. You got anything else on, on the Chiefs? Yeah, there's really not a whole lot to talk about with them. Uh, I don't think you're going to overreact to anything negative. But, yeah, no one showed, like, amazing – no one really had an amazing game for them. But that's fine. You know, it's really tough defense in the Chargers. And I am mean, certainly not overreacting to anything I saw for them. So, Chiefs will be good. Keep your Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, well, so I guess let's finish on uh... – Maybe a team that's finished. I don't know. It's awfully early to say that, but uh, I'm not encouraged right now. Uh, it was our hometown Vikings going to Indianapolis and just getting, uh, well, I don't even know that. I mean, they, they should have won that game by 40. There was no reason we should have been in that game even at half. I don't think Indy came out and played a whale of a game. The Vikings just came out and didn't play. Um, is there anything fantasy-wise that you can take out of this game, either from a Colts standpoint, John Taylor looked very good. What do you want to talk about here? Yeah, I think the probably the most important thing in this game was the usage between Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Yeah. 
Heinz was a really popular waiver wire ad last week. I saw him go for some pretty crazy numbers in some of my leagues, uh, in redraft leagues especially. Um, Taylor was the guy they just leaned on all day. He got the majority of the workload, and actually the guy that spelled him was Wilkins. So they pretty much just used Heinz um, actually not really all that much at all, to be honest, uh, which was pretty surprising to me. Um, but they weren't in a lot of, like, passing situations. They just pounded the rock, pounded the rock, pounded the rock. So I think his usage will probably be a lot higher in games they're trailing in. But as far as uh, Taylor looked, you know, pretty darn good, heavy workload. Uh, defense that has just looked terrible, though, for Minnesota. So yeah. I don't think – I don't think you're going to see these types of games every week for him. I don't think you're going to see 26 carries every week for him. No. I think you're going to probably see more 14, 15, 16, but his efficiency should go up with less work. So I, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be, you know, a really, really, really good player in this league. I, I am still concerned about his heavy workload in college. He might not be a long term yeah. eight year starter in in, yeah. on your rosters but for um the interim while their offensive line still dominant jonathan taylor is going to be a first round pick for the next probably four or five years in fantasy football so totally I, agree uh it was sad to see paris campbell leave this game um a kid we talked about last week is one of our big stock watch risers uh you know and they they, they obviously had watched the tape from last week and they ran that jet action uh handoff to him I picked up nine yards, but unfortunately, um, Harrison Smith got him right on the knee. Sounds like it's not season ending, but that, I mean, indefinite timetable is never good. I would not expect to see Paris Campbell anytime soon. Um, and if you can find an owner who's just done with him because of the injuries or whatever, um, I'm still a fan of the talent. I'm a fan of the role. If he can come back this year, if, if River sticks around a second year, um, interesting guy and sad to see for sure and uh on the vikings side of things uh, i think it's definitely time to hit the panic button on a lot of these players uh they're gonna still try and feed delvin they just gave him the big contract that's how their offense is designed to work delvin's gonna get his carries but on the passing side of things i could see a point where they just get so fed up with kirk cousins that they even bench him for sean Mannion, probably the worst backup in the league but <laughs> it's just this team is just awful. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It needs a wake-up call. It yeah, needs a, it, and, it, and can I touch on, on Cook real quick? Because yeah, I, sure. I think that there is an important thing to mention here with this team. He did just get his money, but if this team is as bad as their 0-2 start and the way it's looked, not just the, the 0-2, but the way they've gone 0-2, if they follow this track, how much of an injury is it going to take for Dalvin Cook for them to just either shut him down completely or really be cautious with him. I think what I'm getting at is in redraft especially, but maybe even a little bit in dynasty, if you can acquire Madison as a cook owner right now, I think it makes sense because um, it won't take much of a nick, I don't think, for the Vikings to be ultra conservative with a player that's been hurt his basically his entire career. Yeah, I guess that just kind of depends on how safe Zimmer and Spielman feel. Like, if Dalvin's banged up and could go, but they feel like their jobs are on the line, yeah. even though they both just got contract extensions, they might coach desperately or make personnel decisions desperately, kind of like what they did just a few weeks ago by acquiring Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, 
Yeah, you it know, you're right. Kind of like a desperate move, even though I liked it at the time. Um, I like the player, but I don't like it anymore based on where I think this team's heading. I think this is a franchise that needs a total reset on almost every level of the field. I've been a Cousins supporter for as long as I possibly could. I think yep. this was kind of my final straw with him, Same. though. I've been a huge Zimmer supporter for almost his entire regime. But I just think it's time for a change. And this is a point you made to me, I think, last year is I think there's just been too much uh, flux in our play calling. I think in this day and age, I totally agreed with the point you make now that I've thought about it more is I think it's probably the smart thing to do is defensive minded coaches. I don't really see it as being a great idea anymore. If you can get at your head coach, who's also a really good play caller, I think that's the way to go. And I would love to see the Vikings try and get Eric B as their next head coach. Yeah. We can't keep cycling through new coordinators every year or so. Um, you know, and, and part of what, you know, got Shermer a job and what got uh, Stefanski a job was they did a good job here. Um, the offenses did work, but every year having to install a new offense is much more difficult than having to install a new defense every year. Um, and so I think, yes, yeah, structurally, when you look at an NFL organization, I don't know how you can look at the head coaching position anymore and think it's even a conversation. Now, that doesn't mean you'll never have defensive head coaches in the league, but I think at this point, yeah, I want the enemy. I want uh, what's I'm sorry I'm blanking on the coordinators in in um, in Baltimore. Um, Greg Roman. Thank you, Greg Roman. Um, especially if we're going to get a higher pick and we had a Trey Lance or we had a Justin Fields, um, a guy like that I think would be would be really interesting. I'm just I'm I'm ready to move on from the Zimmer era. Um, thank you for your service, but it's it's time. I'm with you. Um, I don't want to turn this into a, a Vikings-only podcast, but uh, considering our season is practically over week two, you probably won't have to hear much more Vikings talk. Uh, yeah. The last thing I really want to point out is they got to get Justin Jefferson involved. I mean, he's, he's our second-best weapon right now, and we're, we're, we're not using him, and it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, BC well, Johnson. We kind of save we kind of saved this game for last just because we figured we might rant a little bit. And if you wanted to kind of move on at this point, you know, we, we totally get it. This is just kind of us doing our Vikings, uh, our Vikings thoughts at the end. So, but it's yeah, with that note, if, yeah, if things keep going the way they're going, this team's going to be a pretty quick skip because I've already given up on the season for them. So I, I just don't see it. I don't see a way that this team can turn themselves around in a meaningful way to, to go from just getting utterly destroyed two weeks in a row to even being competitive. I mean, they're not going to go and 16. They got too many good players yeah. still, but, but they could be zero and five at the bye, And that's pretty much uh, 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 a death wish. You're done at that point. Yeah. So and I know Zimmer would never tank. I know Spielman wouldn't tank because their jobs are on the line, but it, it could just come to a point where they look at things and see, let's try and get maybe Spielman kind of gets a little snaky and tries to save his own 
behind and right. make a few trades to get a few draft picks back, get rid of some of the talent they have currently, maybe shop uh, some of your older veterans that aren't going to make it through a rebuild. So it'll be interesting to see. But as far as dynasty values go, I'm not selling on Jefferson because they're probably going to have a new quarterback sooner rather than later. Um, it's a pretty interesting draft class coming up at that position where, like you already mentioned, Lance, Fields, things go really really bad maybe they're in the trevor lawrence trevor conversation lawrence. Uh, so yeah. it, it could turn around pretty quickly if they get the right guy um so i'm i'm curious to see um how badly things go I, i'm kind of at the point where I, i'll never root against the vikings but it would almost maybe be a long-term silver lining if things just completely bottomed out this year i completely agree and as as a viking season ticket holder as well uh, I'm quite glad that this is not a season that we have to, to 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 trek our butts out to Minneapolis every week and go see them because, yeah, it's it doesn't look like it's going to be a fun season to be a Vikings fan. Um, why don't we just real quick? I just kind of wanted to touch. You know, I talked about it with Saquon a little bit. Um, the injuries were brutal this week. Don't overreact um, is something that I just want to get out there. Maybe give yourself the weekend to sort of think it over. Uh, get a week away from it where the injury is not so fresh. I've already had some ambulance chasers out there in my uh, the league that I do own Saquon. Um, but don't sell low on these these really, really – I mean, the, the two guys that are hurt, McCaffrey and, and Barkley, are generationally good. They're not going anywhere. Do not, uh, you know, sell low. Patience, patience, patience. They will be back. Same with Sutton. Don't don't sell low on Sutton. I understand there are you know extenuating circumstances. If you're truly a contender, by week six you want to move Saquon to really you know bolster your team. I can understand it, but I'm not looking to do it uh, right away. Um, do you have any thoughts on just sort of the the general injury vibe in general? Do you want to give any specific player advice, general player advice? What do you think? Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on the don't panic, especially in Dynasty Leagues. Um, I, I'd be pretty much echoing a lot of your points on Saquon and McCaffrey, so I don't need to really dive too far into that. But, you know, keep your eyes open uh, for the waiver wire this week. It's going to be a really important time to try and fill those spots um, if you're still trying to be competitive this year. I know I have a, a team with Saquon and a couple of teams with McCaffrey on it, so I've, I've got to do some work. i got to... I got to research what's out there. If my bench is good enough to get me through, um, it, it's you know these are how you win your leagues. You know every team's going to go through some of the, some of these things. You know some worse than others, but you know if you're already in the Saquon grind and you already had Galladay and uh, a few of these other guys that were hurt, Sutton sometimes you know your season just falls away pretty quickly. And but if if you're if you're holding guys in long term leagues, like maybe you just kind of take the L this year and try to try to build your roster back up for next year. So be smart though. Don't panic. Like you said, don't, don't give up a guy like Saquon for 50 cents on the dollar just to try and scrape together a 500 record. So, so yeah, that's about all I got on that note. All right. Well, we're running a little bit long here, so why don't we uh, do our sign off real quick? I am at dynasty Oasis. I'm at the show handle. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, ask us a question. We're, we're pretty wide open in that regard. Um, we'd be happy to answer them on the show. My DMs are open, or you can just tweet right at the handle. Uh, Newts, what's your handle again? 
Yeah, Matt Nasty Newts uh, on Twitter mostly. Uh, I do have a Facebook account, but uh, don't try and find me there because I'm rarely on it. So, yeah, look for me on Twitter. I'd, I'd love to interact with some of you listeners. And, yeah, mailbag episode would be great. So if you have questions, please send them to us. Uh, we'd love to get some feedback. So, so yeah, that'd be great. Right on. And uh, with that, why don't we uh, call her a night? I'm going to watch the end of this Raiders-Saints uh, game. We'll probably have a, you know, we, we, we're doing the podcast during the game, so we don't have much of a reaction here on this one. We'll, we'll break this one down on uh, what sounds like it's going to be a Wednesday show this week. So you'll be in here on Thursdays uh, uh, at the end of the week here instead of Friday. So uh, look forward to us a little bit earlier, and uh, we will talk to you then. Sound good? Sounds great, man. Uh, you have a great evening, and uh, let's uh, get some research going try and uh, figure out these injury replacements. Absolutely. All right, have a good day.